If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 120 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but those Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on November 14th, 2021. (sighs) Another Sunday, another episode, guys, even in the offseason. Hope you had yourself a good week. And for the Yankees, well, this <laughs> this past week has been full of rumors, speculation, mock trades, as is most of the offseason every year. Nothing new there. But the discussion continues, my friends, and it is hot. <laughs> and we've covered a good amount of it so far early on here in these first few weeks of the offseason, starting with the coaches, then Aaron Boone, discuss shortstop, and that seems to be getting more and more traction as time goes along. Excited to see what happens there. And it seems it could be happening before that December 1st deadline for the CBA, which is only, what, two and a half weeks away? Yeah, about two and a half weeks. So the pressure's on for that. I'm personally not sure those big signings happen until later down the line, but it could happen before December 1st. And last week, we even spoke about catching. And today, we're shifting to yet another position of interest. One that's also been spoken about a great deal, especially these last few days. And that, my friends, is none other than first base. Dissecting the team piece by piece. And we're moving right on to the next piece today in today's social media segment after I give you some updates news-wise on what happened and what was spoken about this past week. So let's not waste another moment. Let's dive right in with some news and then yap about, as Abbott and Costello said all those years ago, who's on first? (laughs) We'll talk all about that in the social media segment later on. All the discussion, all the hot discussion lately on first base. But first and foremost, Yankees news from this past week and all the other discussion along with the discussion with first base. And it is a lot. So strap yourselves in and let's do this thing. I'm not wasting any time today. Right down to business. But before we get to news, just a quick reminder, be sure to follow Ball9 on all social medias at Ball9 and visit their website, Ball9.com. And also, please don't forget, guys, to follow me on all social medias. Facebook fan page is Mike Scudero NY. Twitter is Mike Scudero. And Instagram is Mike Scuds 97 And also subscribe to Yapping Yankees on all four platforms it's available on, guys. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Leave a like below on YouTube if you're listening on there. Leave a review on all the others. You know the deal. Just show some love to Yapping Yankees everywhere. And each and every one of you already do such a great job at that, so just keep it up. But without further ado, let's move right on to Yankees news and discuss everything 
I've got updates on what the Yankees did regarding Joely Rodriguez from where we left off last week to a Yankee that won a certain gold glove, a certain candidate that interviewed for the third base coaching job, a certain pitcher that threw for a lot of teams this past week that has Yankee fans talking, and quite honestly, fans from a lot of fan bases talking. And this past week was also the GM meetings, the general manager meetings. We heard from Brian Cashman a bit. I'll talk a little bit about what he spoke about with with the media. And just a lot of rumors going along with that, guys, from what we're going to be discussing here in Yankees news and even extending to our main topic for today in the social media segment later being first base. There's a lot of discussion going on, so no time to waste, and nor do I want to waste any of it. Let's get right in. So, in Yankees news to start off with, if you remember from last week's episode, actually, like I said a moment ago, you might remember last week when I was talking about club and player options for last Sunday's deadline for all those decisions, there was one that wasn't decided upon by the Yankees yet, at the time I recorded at least, (laughs) and that was Joely Rodriguez. And just as I said it would, news dropped shortly after I finished recording, and the Yankees ultimately decided to decline his club option for 2022, which took me as a surprise considering how little he would cost, and I just thought that they would bring him back. I thought they would exercise the option, so I was a little surprised, and a lot of people, including myself, just assumed that he wouldn't be coming back as a result of that. But then they later signed him to a new contract altogether a couple of days later, which is always possible, but I, I didn't really see that happening after they declined the option, but they did it anyway. A one-year deal worth $2 million. So that's what they ultimately decided to do with Joely, and he'll be back in the pen for 2022. And I'm personally not the biggest fan of his, but as I said, I think he would be put to much better use if they didn't have the three-batter minimum rule, because... I mean, that that's just the way it used to be before that rule came around. I mean, he would be a lefty specialist for the ages because then he would only face lefties because of his inability to get righties out. But unfortunately, because of the three batter minimum, we of course know that he has to face righties every now and again. So it's, it's inevitable. But nonetheless, I, he still faces lefties more, which is good because he is incredible at getting lefties out. So in that sense, I'm excited to have him back. I kind of dread him having to face right-handed hitters because, again, he just struggles tremendously against them. But strictly as a lefty specialist, I think he's a good arm to have out there. So, welcome back, Joely. But listen to this one. (laughs) After they declined his option on Sunday, so... (laughs) It's crazy when these sort of things happen, but ironically, after a couple of people in last week's social media segment about catchers mentioned him, This was a name that came up when we were discussing catchers. But triple-A catcher Donnie Sands was added to the Major League roster. So that was pretty funny after a couple of people had mentioned him. I mean, I thought it was funny. (laughs) I was editing the episode late at night, and then the notification popped up on my phone later at night when I was editing, and it said they added triple-A catcher Donnie Sands to the Major League roster. And I was like, oh my god. People were just mentioning him on the show. We were just talking about him. So I thought that was funny. I don't know about you, but so they they added him to the major league roster and it was just it was pretty ironic. So both of those things were from last Sunday. And also from last Sunday, gold glove winners were announced. 
And we mentioned, when we were mentioning Gold Gloves a couple of weeks back, that Joey Gallo was a finalist for right field. And he ended up winning the damn thing. (laughs) So congrats to Joey Gallo for taking home another Gold Glove for his performance in right field in 2021. And he did more or less solely play left field for the second half of the season with the Yankees. So, And we spoke about this, but it's clear that this award was for his right field time when he was still on the Rangers. Which, I guess, is even more reason than I've already had to still be ticked at Rawlings for snubbing Judge. Especially because, with the exception of a few games, he has solely played right field. Obviously, he played center field here and there, but for the most part, with the exception of a couple of games, Judge solely plays right field. He's a right fielder. But with that being said, for those not happy that Gallo won, I mean, despite those awful drop pop-ups towards the end there, (laughs) I mean, Gallo's still a good defender. Well, scratch that. He's actually a great defender. And it's not his fault that Rawlings is dopey. But again, even though it's odd because he mostly played left field with the Yankees for the better part of the second half, yet here he is taking home the gold glove for right field with Texas, he is still a gold glove caliber defender, so he deserves it. I'm happy for him. And he's actually the first Yankee to win a gold glove since Guardy in 2016. So it's been a little while. But again, despite the fact that he played left field for the Yankees and he's taken home an award for right field, and you can feel how you want about him with his offensive performance with the Yankees, but despite all of that, not trying to take away anything from the guy, but congrats to Joey Gallo on winning the gold glove for right field. And speaking of Judge, my boy Aaron Judge, since I just mentioned him earlier, he did win another award. He just won the Silver Slugger this past week, so congrats to him on that, by the way. So he has taken home two awards between this and the Fielding Bible Award. That's good for a judge. He deserves all of it. He's a terrific baseball player all around. So congrats to him on that. So he's still winning his share of awards despite being snubbed for the gold glove. But I definitely didn't want to forget to mention that, that he took home another Silver Slugger, the second of his career. The first one obviously was won back in 2017 with his historic rookie season. So again, congrats to Aaron. But that was all the news from Sunday, basically. There was a lot of news that day. (laughs) And it didn't even end there. There was even news that former Met manager Luis Rojas interviewed with the Yankees to be one of the base coaches for crying out loud. (laughs) And then, after that, it was said that they're likely going to hire him as the new third base coach, taking Nevin's place. And yeah, I already hear some people's thoughts. I saw them on social media too. I know what people are thinking or what they were thinking or still are thinking. That Luis Rojas, whenever they think about him, they just think about how bad he was the Mets manager. And and yeah, Rojas isn't really manager material, if you ask me, or just about any Met fan. But (laughs) listen, the guy is said to be a good baseball mind and third base coach is entirely different from manager. And I think this role could be mutually beneficial for him and the Yankees. So, Luis Rojas, if and when this becomes official, because I don't believe this is absolutely official yet. I just heard that they interviewed him. He really liked Aaron Boone and vice versa. And the Yankees really, really liked him and he liked the Yankees. So, if and when this becomes official, welcome aboard. From Met manager to Yankee third base coach. (laughs) It's pretty cool if you ask me. And actually, he wasn't the only one that the Yankees interviewed for a base coaching job or just a coaching job in general. Who knows? But 
They also interviewed Eric Chavez. Obviously, he's a former player, primarily with the A's throughout his career, but he also played with the Yanks in 2011 and 2012, if you remember. So, we'll see with the coaching vacancies. It really sounds like they're going to hire Luis Rojas, and they're interviewing other guys like Eric Chavez. I mean, bring his knowledge to the table. That could also really help. So, it's going to be interesting to see how these coaching vacancies go going forward. We'll see what the Yankees do to fill these vacancies. But I think this is a good start to the name so far. I mean, Eric Chavez is a really interesting one. Really out of left field, but I'm not opposed to it. (laughs) Then on Monday, finally, I know a lot happened on Sunday, but on Monday, having to do with the pitcher that threw for a lot of teams that I mentioned earlier, Justin Verlander threw for teams since he's on his way back from Tommy John surgery that he got late last year, if you remember. And again, like we said about a year ago when he got it, It would be pretty wild, especially at his age, to make a crazy comeback from this. But apparently the turnout was good. Verlander still had great stuff, was hitting 95 to 96 on his fastball apparently. His other stuff as far as his off-speed and breaking balls were looking as good as ever. And the Yanks were one of the teams in attendance watching him. So everyone was in a tizzy about that when this news came out. All kinds of rumors and discussions heated up that he would be looking for two years and 40 million, so that'd be 20 million on average for those two years. And the Yankees were at least looking at him, or, you know, at least started a little bit of discussion with him, but nothing was close. And would it be worth it? And because obviously going into 2021, the Yankees took a chance on a former great that has had injury problems of late, looking for him to make a career comeback in Corey Kluber. And he missed about three and a half months of the season with another shoulder injury. When he pitched, he wasn't atrocious, especially around the time towards the later part of April, all the way until he got his no-hitter, of course, because then the start after that was when he got hurt, and he was out until the end of August. And then there was some time where he was trying to find his way back. His velocity was down again. He was trying to get a hold of his off-speed pitches again and his breaking balls, and he got a little bit of a hold of it again towards the end, but it it was too late by then. And it ended up not really working out too great. So if you take away that no-hitter, which, you know, I'm not taking anything away from that. It was incredible. But it definitely had its good moments, and it wasn't atrocious, but it didn't really work out too well with Corey Kluber. And you're talking about trying with someone even older after Tommy John surgery, even though it is Justin Verlander. Yes, I know. But Corey Kluber was a great, too. He was a probably a top-five arm in baseball a few years ago. So... It's tough. It's just a matter of whether you want to take a chance on a guy that age after Tommy John, despite how great his stuff looked, and would you be willing to pay him like $20 million a year, and not even just commit to one year like you did with Kluber, but a two-year deal? Or so some rumors have said? It's shaky. It depends on how much he ends up asking for. I mean, if it's like $20 million plus, I, I think the Yankees might have to pass on that. I'd love to have Verlander on the Yankees. Don't get me wrong. I would love to have him here on the Yankees. I mean, it's Justin freaking Verlander. How could you not want that? And yes, it is true that of all the aspects of the team this past year, the Yankees starting rotation, which this is something new after all the seasons prior to 2021, it was actually a major strength of the team. So of all the aspects of the entire club, starting pitching is probably the one that could use the least improvement. 
You need a lot of help on offense to switch up the lineup a bit, and that goes for defense on the field as well. Yankees are very flawed defensively in a lot of areas. but And the bullpen had its issues as well, but you still have some really promising arms out there. And the starting rotation, though, for a large part of the season, it really helped to carry the Yankees. It was the strongest part of the team, if you ask me. But that doesn't mean that it can't get even better. And would Verlander make that even better? Of course he would. It's Justin Verlander. Even if he wasn't what he was before at this age after Tommy John's surgery, I get it. It's still Justin Verlander, and he would give you good. That is, if he stays healthy. But And that is a big if. It is. But it's still Justin Verlander. So I wouldn't be opposed to adding him, but you got to see what he asks for. And if he even asks for more than just a year because he's not far from 40 years old, he's really getting up there. And these are things you have to consider. And since they worked so hard to stay under the luxury tax for 2021, did the Yankees, as we all know, I do expect them to go nuts this winter, regardless of what happens with the CBA going forward. But, I mean, there also has to be a reasonable price for someone like Justin Verlander, because regardless of the fact that he is Justin Verlander, you still have to remember the situation right here. The fact that he is almost 40, and the fact that he is coming off of Tommy John this late in his career, not only just Tommy John in general. But all the talk of how good he looked and what it would cost to get him, like I said, it had everybody in a tizzy. It really did. And it even got me thinking a little bit, admittedly so. I'm not going to deny it. I'm still thinking about it a little bit, and that's why I'm talking about it now. But you have to be reasonable about it. You have to. There are a lot of factors here to consider. Regardless of whether or not the Yankees this winter are going to resemble the 2008 offseason into 2009 and just go nuts like when they signed CeCe and Burnett and Teixeira and Swisher. Regardless of whether or not they're going to resemble the 08 offseason into 2009, there are things you have to consider, like with this. How much is he going to ask for? And considering the situation, is it worth the investment? But whether it be done before December 1st, with the CBA expiring or not, I think it very well could be. I think he could sign before that, whether it be with the Yankees or someone else. Because obviously Justin Verlander's not going to have a monster contract like somebody else like Carlos Correa or Corey Seager or just about most anybody else in in this amazing shortstop class this winter is going to get. I think you'll probably have to wait a little bit longer for those signings to happen. But with someone like Justin Verlander, it's possible that that could happen within the next couple of weeks. And I think that's also partially why a lot of people are talking about it as much as they are, because it's, he's still a big name, and a very interesting one at that, especially at this stage of his career following Tommy John. So we'll see what happens with him, and who he signs with, and whoever he does sign with, they're going to be lucky to have him. And I will dedicate a week like I have to shortstop and catching, and this week's going to be first base, I will dedicate a week to starting pitching, coming very soon. And we'll see what happens with Justin Verlander going forward. And if he's still out there and nothing's happened with him, then I'll talk about how he would fit in with the Yankees and how awesome that would be. And we'll talk all about it. But discussion on him is hot. And the price apparently is being said to be high for him, even though he is at his age coming off Tommy John. And you have to consider that. But we'll see what happens with him. Very interesting. Andrew Heaney. He also signed with the Dodgers. So thank God. God, he's not coming back. And he got eight and a half million freaking dollars from the Dodgers. Eight and a half million. 
which some people are saying, oh, for baseball players, of course, it's not that much, but eight and a half million, think about this, for pitching to a 732 ERA with the Yankees in the heat of a playoff race. <laughs> and the guy gets almost 10 million for that. You can't make this crap up. Ah, uh, see, that's what I'm talking about. If Andrew Heaney can get that kind of money, I mean, even though he's coming off Tommy John at his age, you can only imagine what Justin Verlander is going to ask for. Someone like Andrew Heaney can get eight and a half million. I don't care how many people believe they could turn his career around. I don't care. Look at the guy's numbers, and he's still getting almost $10 million. Ah, <laughs> uh, the Yankees did also sign a guy named Vinny Natoli. Clearly a fellow Italian, you love to see it, but <laughs> just a depth move at least for now, I imagine. Uh, what else from Monday? Cole. Garrett Cole was named a Cy Young finalist, and if you heard me in the past, then you know that I don't think he's going to win it. I think it's going to go to Robbie Ray, but pretty cool that he's named a finalist nonetheless. And yeah, that's for Monday, guys, and as you could hear, I mean, the beginning of the week, <laughs> it was crammed with stuff. And a lot of the rest of the week was really filled with, as I said, just lots of trade rumors and lots of signing rumors because, as I said, as I've been saying for weeks now, we all expect some moves to be made before the deadline of December 1st into December 2nd for the CBA, so... And there have already been signings and things like we've talked about. It's expected to continue over the next couple of weeks. The big-time signings probably won't happen for a while, like I said, but... Or maybe some could happen sooner rather than later because some people have said that the shortstop market for guys like Correa and Seager, especially Seager, is starting to pick up a bit. But nonetheless, Tuesday was filled with even more rumors. Whispers. (laughs) Cashman spoke to the media for the GM meetings this past week as well. Talked about having some more room with the payroll. I mean, he better. (laughs) That he's talking to the agents for Anthony Rizzo and other free agents at shortstop and otherwise. Those two shortstop agents are those of Seeger and Correa, you have to imagine. And that he's evaluating all aspects of the market, you know, the usual babble. <laughs> There's even discussion about center field options. Because Cashman even said that he would like to look into upgrading center field even, that he feels that they don't even really have a legitimate starting center fielder despite Hicks still being there. And you know that I like to hear this because I'm not the biggest fan of Aaron Hicks. Especially since his defense even decided to take a turn for the worse. I mean, that just leaves him not really having much to offer, in my opinion. Not to mention that after missing virtually the entire year, you just don't know what you're going to get out of him going forward. So I'm glad to see that they're even looking at center field options. I'm very happy to hear that. But some of the center field options we're hearing about, the Pirates center fielder Brian Reynolds, Chris Taylor on the Dodgers, he plays a ton of different positions. Starling Marte, of course, who you may remember was my number one choice at the deadline last year. (laughs) So I would love that. All three of them are terrific baseball players, and I would love any of them. Mainly Reynolds and Starling, but I'll start with Chris Taylor real quick. Chris Taylor, I mean, the guy's got a really nice swing. You've seen him come up clutch a bunch of times, especially in the playoffs. And the guy plays a ton of different positions. He plays center field, he plays left field, plays shortstop, second base, third base, big-time utility guy. So that's a good guy to have around, and you could sign him because he's a free agent right now. You could also sign Starling Marte since he's a free agent right now, too. And for Reynolds, well, you'd have to trade for him. And it would be a lot. (laughs) Because not only is he freaking amazing all around, 
but he's only 26 years old and he's under team control until 2026. 2026! 26 is all over the place. (laughs) And the Yankees may have their farm system as good as it is, but I mean, Reynolds would cost an arm and a leg. In 2021, he batted 302. He had a 390 on base percentage, 522 slugging, 912 OPS, and a 146 OPS plus. 24 home runs and 90 RBIs too. And he's an awesome defender. And he's a switch hitter. <laughs> it just goes on and on. So that was spoken about a lot, but I... I personally don't see that one happening. I don't see the Yankees going after Brian Reynolds. I I think it would just be too much at the end of the day. I see Starling Marte signing sooner than I see a huge haul of a trade happening for Reynolds. Which, again, I'd be fine with. I freaking love Starling Marte. (laughs) Yankees have said they're looking for more contact hitters. I mean, Starling Marte is right up that alley. Big average hitter. Puts the bat on the ball. He is terrific defensively. I would love Starling Marte. And even though of those three, if I had to pick who I would want least of those three, it would probably be Chris Taylor, even though I would still love him. But Brian Reynolds is the one that I least see happening, and I definitely see it more likely that the Yankees sign a Starling Marte or sign a Chris Taylor. So I guess what I'm trying to say is the ones I would love the most are either a Brian Reynolds or a Starling Marte, but the ones I see most realistically happening are Starling Marte or Chris Taylor. And again, I wouldn't mind any of the three. I think all of them are fine, fine options. But yeah, guys, rumors, 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 rumors all over the damn place. (laughs) And they're only getting hotter the closer that we get to December 1st, which is making the beginning of this offseason hotter than most others we've seen. Because again, there's more pressure to get things done before the first. Because after the first, things are going to slow way down since the current CBA will be expired and the league and the Players Association will be negotiating all kinds of things for the new CBA, like new luxury tax thresholds and all that fun stuff. We know this. And the sport itself could look entirely different come next year going forward, and hopefully for the better. But lots of discussion flying around. And like I said before, that was basically a lot, basically all of it other than what I'm about to get to from this past week, just a lot of discussion. And it goes even further than that. What about our main topic for today that we're yet to get to? What about first base? All the talk with that, which is the perfect segue into our main point of discussion in our social media segment, right? So let's get right to that. I know there's a lot of news this week, but right into social media, the final major talking point of discussion, and considering this is our main point of discussion today, this will eat up the rest of the show. It's first base, guys, and there's a lot to dissect with this. Again, we've spoken about piece by piece of the team one week at a time. We hit on the coaching, we hit on the manager, we hit on shortstop, we hit on catching, and now we're hitting on first base. And my God in heaven, did I pick the right week to talk about this? Because the rumors and discussion on all of this right now, everything having to do with first base, it's sizzling hot. It's boiling over. (laughs) And for the social media segment this week, we've got ourselves another poll. So let's get right to it. We're going to start on Twitter as we always do. And quite simply put, guys, the social media poll question is... 
what should the Yankees do at first base? And of course, leave your thoughts down below after you voted, and I'll try to get to as many of the replies as I possibly can. Try to get to at least 10. Last week, I read a boatload of them, even though I still got nowhere near all of them, and of course... The same thing will be this week, like always, because there are just too many of you, but I'll do my best as always. But what should the Yankees do at first base, in your opinion? I put four choices here. The first one was Anthony Rizzo. The second one was the much-spoken-about first baseman for the Oakland A's right now, Matt Olson. He's one that a lot of Yankee fans want, and understandably so. We'll talk about all of them. The third choice being Luke Voigt. I wasn't going to put him at first, and now I think I probably shouldn't have because I am one of the ones that do happen to believe whether or not I like him, and I don't have any problem with Luke Voigt, as you know, but I do think he's basically as good as gone at this point, and I've spoken all about why between the Yankees' reluctance to at least play him at DH when they could have, and just his lack of defense and his lack of ability to stay healthy, but I just think he's as good as gone, and I didn't really think many people would vote for him, and as you'll here in a second, I was right. <laughs> so I considered not even putting him, but I assumed since he's still technically with the Yankees that I would I would put him. So Luke Voigt was the third choice, and the fourth choice was just other. Anyone else that you could think of. And of the four choices, coming in first, the winning choice, earning 59% of the vote, was Matt Olson here on Twitter. He was the victor out of all these choices. Coming in second, not too far behind, with 35% of the vote, is Anthony Rizzo, obviously the man the Yankees acquired at the deadline last year, who played out the second half of the season except for when he was out with COVID. Coming in third, earning just 4% of the vote, was Luke Voigt, and then in fourth, with 2% of the vote, was Other. And there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people who voted on this poll, so a great many. And that's what they had to say about it, voting-wise. So the vast majority here on Twitter, Matt Olson, is their guy. Now, who's my guy, you might be wondering. Well, I'll give my thoughts on this a little bit. Let's tackle Anthony Rizzo first, who you all should know if you're a long-time listener, even just a listener of the last few months since the trade deadline, that I love Anthony Rizzo. I love the guy. I would not have a problem at all if they brought him back for the right amount of years and money. Now, a lot of numbers are being thrown around with this with what people would be okay with and what people wouldn't be okay with. And I, for the most part, agree, especially with the people who say maybe something like two years, I don't know, like 24, 25 million. I'd be okay with that. And I think that's reasonable. And if Rizzo would be willing to accept that, then fine, great. I'd be fine with him coming back. A lot of people are quick to mention... Rizzo's numbers weren't as great this year. He's 32 years old. And even some people were talking about certain lower back problems that he was having with Chicago that lingered into his time with the Yankees in the second half. And fine. I choose to think that when his numbers went down for a while, I think that could certainly be from the aftermath of having COVID for one thing. And for another thing, it could be that thing with the lower back. Maybe it could be both of those things. Because his offensive numbers did decrease, and he even made some hiccups on defense, which is unusual for him, because Anthony Rizzo is a terrific defender. He's a former Platinum Glove winner. So, 
Rizzo has a lot of positive attributes to him that I absolutely love. And that's really why for so many years, like I said at the deadline, I always dreamt of Anthony Rizzo in the pinstripes. Well, the Yankee pinstripes, not the Cubs pinstripes. <laughs> but listen, he had a hell of a career with Chicago. He was a fan favorite there. Everybody looked up to him as they should because he's an amazing player and an amazing guy. So Rizzo is, he's, he's amazing. I love the guy. Even now, with his offensive production having taken a bit of a step down since many years ago when he was easily one of the best first basemen in the game offensively and defensively, right now he'll still give you a respectable batting average, I suppose, maybe 250, 260, maybe 270. He'll hit anywhere from 20 to 30 home runs. He'll drive in a lot of runs, maybe like, I don't know, I predict maybe next year or maybe drive in 70-ish runs, which is not bad. He'll have a decent slugging, he'll get on base a decent amount, and he'll have an okay OPS, and he'll he'll be solid offensively. He's not going to be what he was before. People saying that he's 32 years old, and the one thing I disagree with people saying is that they think he's old at 32. He's not old. <laughs> I very much resent people calling 32 years of age old, <laughs> because it's not. You could say that he probably won't have his career be on the upside again, like he won't be going upwards, he'll be heading downwards because naturally, as human beings, the more you age, the more you start to decline. That's valid. But to say he's old and to say he's not going to give you much at all next year, that that's not true. <laughs> he'll still put up decent offensive numbers, maybe even better than decent. And defensively, you know what you're going to get there. You're going to get terrific defense. I don't care if his defensive numbers took a dip last year. A lot happened with them last year. A lot. Between the lower back problems that they said he had and also having COVID. He clearly was not the same for a while after coming back from COVID. And then we saw when he started to get back into it, he was one of the team's top hitters again. And he was doing what he was doing defensively. Let alone the fact that he's a left-handed hitter. And let alone the fact that he's a champion. He knows what it takes to win. And also let alone the fact that he is a terrific clubhouse presence, which means a lot to me. I want to reiterate that as much as I can. Because I've said it on past episodes, and this for some reason doesn't mean a lot for some other people. The fact that it means a lot to have someone in the locker room who knows what it takes to win, even if it was with another team. And who is just a great clubhouse presence, who has the presence of a leader. Some people don't value that. I do. And I don't understand people who don't value that. Just like I don't understand people who don't value good defense at first base. Because it's all a part of the game. So, I love Anthony Rizzo. Do not get me wrong. I would not mind him coming back at all if it were at the right amount of years and the right amount of money, like I said. And those numbers that I mentioned before, around maybe two years, three at the most, but I want to stay at two, and maybe somewhere in the mid-20s, like 25 million, I don't know, something around that. That'd be fine for me. But I don't want to spend too much on him, and I also don't want to go very long-term with him. Now, when it comes to Matt Olson, and these two are going to be the main ones I hit on, because like I said with Luke Voigt earlier, I think he's more or less gone. I really do. And I think the real two main ones are Rizzo and Olson. I think that's safe to say. So let's talk about Olson a little bit. He's 27 years old. He'll be 28 in March, so come the season, he'll be 28. So he's about four and a half years younger than Rizzo. So not to be ageist or anything, but he's got age on his side, which is a consideration. 
He has two more years left on his contract with arbitration until he becomes an unrestricted free agent in 2024. So that's important. He still has a couple more years of team control, not just one more year or no more. (laughs) He still has two more years of team control. And in 2021, he had a 271 average. Listen to these stats. 271 average, 39 home runs, 111 RBIs. Now keep in mind, even though Judge and Stanton came ridiculously close, they virtually did, just missed the mark. And Judge and Stanton were basically the only ones to show up offensively throughout most of or the entire season. But Matt Olson did something that no Yankee did this year, not even Judge or Stanton. And that's driving 100 runs. 111 RBIs. Not many people had 100 RBIs this year, but Olsen did. He also had a 371 on base percentage, a 540 slugging, and an OPS of 911, and an OPS plus of 153. That's insane. (laughs) He's really good. He's a lefty like Rizzo is, and his age, he's got a few more good years of upside still. He's only getting better. He's only getting better. And he did have a bit of a strikeout problem about two, three years ago, but even that has improved. He had a career-low 16.8% strikeout rate in 2021 and a 13.1% walk rate. Like I said, he's only getting better all around, better and better. Not to mention he's a great defender like Rizzo is. So just like with Anthony Rizzo, those who say good defense at first base doesn't matter, I don't want to hear it. Keep that nonsense away from me. Away. Get it out. Great defense at first elevates the entire infield. We've spoken about all this before, and I'm tired of talking to people about this who just don't seem to get it. But they all have their great aspects to them, but Olsen has age on his side. He has upside on his side. Look at the numbers. He's terrific. And reports have said the Yankees are very much into him. They're looking at him big time, and they're in communication with the A's about it. Now, when it comes to the trade itself, what you'd have to get rid of, some people are saying it might take less than others think. But also, to get someone of Olsen's talent, and especially if you're also to get the A's to group someone else in there, maybe a starter like Sean Manaya, then obviously that would result in the Yankees having to give away even more. But let's concentrate solely on Olsen. We're not going to talk about if they include Manaya for a starting pitcher, but just with Olsen, for now, let's concentrate on that. What could be a potential package for him? And of course, along with all the mock trades and speculation out there, there have been a ton of them on social media and otherwise. One that I thought of because I just think that the A's would happen to ask for a lot because Olsen is Olsen. <laughs> he himself is terrific and also the two more years of control he has bumps up the value even more. Would you have to get rid of one of the top three, being Volpe, Jason Dominguez, or Oswald Peraza down in the minors? Would you have to give away one of those guys? Maybe. And if you did have to, I'd probably give away Peraza. If they ask for another high-level prospect, maybe you give away Luis Medina. Luis Heal would be tougher to give away, but if you have to include Heal, maybe you think about it. And then maybe if you give them a first baseman in exchange, maybe Luke Voigt. Maybe that would work. Or maybe they wouldn't even want Voigt. But that's the package I would do if it would get them to accept it. Be quite a bit because Peraza and Heal are way high-level prospects. As of right now in the prospect rankings, Oswald Peraza is number three and Luis Heal is number four. That's why I also mentioned Medina possibly in, in place of Heal. But 
Maybe something like that. Peraza and Heal or Medina. And maybe a Voight thrown in there. And we even spoke about Gio potentially being the odd man out in the infield. So maybe even include Gio. As much as that would sting because I love Gio. But maybe Gio and or Voight. But the A's do already have Matt Chapman over at third. Or like other people are saying, maybe it wouldn't even cost that much. Who knows? We're only going to be able to judge it when and if the trade goes through. And then we could look at it after the fact. But it's just speculation for now. And it would sting to give away Peraza. It would. But you have two amazing infielders in the top three being Volpe and Peraza. And then you have Jason Dominguez at two. And would I give Jason Dominguez away in a certain trade? Well, it would certainly depend. It would be very hard for me, but it depends. That's my answer. It depends. (laughs) I know that's not an interesting answer or a hot take that somebody wants to hear, but it depends. I'd be more willing to give away an Oswald Peraza because you also have an elite infielder in the number one prospect in Anthony Volpe, who I'm basically not touching at all. I'm not touching Volpe. That's probably my one untouchable. And Dominguez is very close to untouchable, but I'd be willing to give him away more than Volpe. So if I had to touch one of those top three, it would have to be Peraza. If I had to. I don't want to. But if I had to. But you gotta remember, not every prospect is gonna pan out, number one. And two, if you're gonna be going for people with extreme talent like this, and even someone with team control like Olsen, which as I said, bumps up value even more, you might have to give away a piece that stings a little bit. And for someone like Olsen, I would definitely strongly consider it because that is a big a vast improvement for the Yankees. That kind of production is a difference maker. And if a trade like this were to happen, it's possible that a trade for Olsen could get done before Friday even. I've heard that in some areas because Friday's the deadline to protect Rule 5 eligible players. And especially before December 1st with the CBA, as we've said over and over again. Definitely before that. I think it's very possible even more so for that. And like I said before, I would be really shocked if a few trades don't get done before that. Trades even more so than signings, especially the bigger ones. Because some smaller signings have happened already, but you get the point. We've spoken about this already. But I expect trades like this to happen as well. But anyway, that's a potential package for Olsen. Who knows? I mean, this is up for discussion. And it depends who the A's ask for. We don't know specifically who they're asking for. But if it is to happen, we could see it in a matter of a week before we even talk again next Sunday, let alone before December 1st. I'm more confident in saying that. But listen, from this talk, I think you can hear it in my voice that if you put a gun to my head and said, choose which one you want, I think the answer is Olsen. But I just want to make something absolutely clear. Despite my talking up of Matt Olsen, and reasonably so, I would not mind either of these guys. (laughs) And I've said that a lot about shortstop. I've said that about certain catchers. I even said it before about certain center field options. And now I've even said it about this at first base between Rizzo and Olsen. Because a lot of these names being mentioned, they are all welcomed improvements to the Yankees. Or they would be. I would love any of them. I would not mind either of these guys. And Rizzo has so many positives, just like Olsen does. But big determining factors for this do include age, upside, and from these past few years, a couple of years actually, just a couple, because as recently as 2019, Anthony Rizzo is basically still his old self, just straight up production, just the numbers, 
And Anthony Rizzo's value in other ways, knowing how to win, being the clubhouse presence he is, it makes it tough. And like I said, if Rizzo comes back, of course, depending on the years and the money, I won't be mad at all. I really won't be. And it's still very possible that he can. Very possible. But if I had to choose the first choice, and especially if the trade ends up being very, very well done by the Yankees, it's got to be Olsen. It's got to be Olsen. You can like both guys, and I love both guys, but it's got to be Olsen. That's how I see it. So let's hear what you guys have to say about this. A lot of replies. I'll get through as many as I can, and I'll try to speed through as many because I see we're almost 45 minutes in already. Jeez. (laughs) The first reply here on Twitter that I spy with my little eye is at cdixon25, and they say Matt Olsen preferably with Rizzo as a plan B. Yeah, it's fair enough. Those two seem to be the main two that everybody's looking at, and that's that's the way it should be. At Laker 477, my friend Rob says, My first choice is Rizzo. He fit right in and showed some leadership on the field. If they can't re-sign him at a reasonable price, then they need to go all in for Olsen. All right, so basically just another guy acknowledging that both are great, but Rizzo's your first choice, and that's fine, you know? Like I said, you're not going to get any blowback from me on that because I love Rizzo. I really do. I might not agree on that first choice, but not only is everybody entitled to their own opinion, but I also love Anthony Rizzo, so you're not going to get blowback from me on that. Spencer at Musician DMD says, The three choices are all solid players. Olsen would be good because he's productive and young, only at 27. Rizzo would be good for the same reason. He's also had postseason experience, but he's a little older. And Voight would be good because he's excelled in New York. The optimal choice would be Olsen. All right, so you included some uh, discussion on Voight you even included. All right, that's fair enough. And yeah, listen, I don't have a problem with Voight. I've said that. I just don't think he could play defense, and I think he has a lot of trouble staying healthy. But as far as the spotlight in New York, I don't think it bothers him at all. As a matter of fact, I think he loves it. And the guy can hit. He can hit. And that's why it's a shame that they were so reluctant to play him with the one aspect of his game that's good for most of the second half when he was healthy, and that's DHing while they were playing Giancarlo Stanton in the outfield. When they were finally doing that more often, I'm saying, oh my god, they're finally going to maybe DH Voigt too, and that'll be the final piece to my big plan as to what the Yankees should do. And then they just didn't play him. <laughs> so, I always felt bad for Voigt about that, that they didn't use the one aspect of his game that's easily the best part, and that's his bat. And they didn't even do that. Which is partially the reason why I say he's as good as gone, because he probably wants out of here if there's going to be no spot for him. Why would you want to do that? So yeah, the points he mentioned, like I said, Olsen, younger, extremely productive. Rizzo is productive, but he is a little older. And the optimal choice being Olsen, yeah, I agree. I just think at this stage, right now, he's the better option. At Aaron Loves NYY, Aaron says... I went with Olsen for obvious reasons, but would be totally happy with Rizzo as well. Yeah, so would I. I don't have a problem with Rizzo. Like I said, you're not going to get any blowback from me on that. But yeah, Olsen's got to be number one, at least for me. At bullpen underscore Joe says, Olsen because he's younger and cheaper. Well, cheaper in what way? (laughs) Because Rizzo, you're bringing back strictly with money. You're going to sign him if you're going to bring him back. Olsen... Yeah, he'll cost less financially in the sense that he's still under team control, but he would cost more in other areas, like prospects or assets of any kind, whether it be prospects or big league talent. He would cost. 
in that sense, just not so much with money like Rizzo would. So I see what you're saying, but you're probably going to have to spend some on both, whether it be prospects for Olsen or money with Rizzo. And yeah, like I've been saying, like everyone's been saying, because it is a valid point to mention, even though it's not an ungodly age difference, but there is a difference in age. Olsen's younger, and that is a factor. At Russ underscore man 11, they say, honestly, they should go for Olsen, but don't overpay for a position you don't need desperately. You still have DJ who can move over there permanently or sign Rizzo. Yeah, DJ's not an awful option for first, but I, I don't... I don't like him playing there as the everyday first baseman. I prefer if, if, he's, if he only has to play there every once in a while. Like if someone needs a day off or if someone's injured for a while and you can take over there temporarily. But I don't want DJ at first for the whole year. I don't want that. I really don't. I don't want that. So I'm not, I'm not so comfortable with slating DJ over at first for the whole year like some others are. I'm, just, I'm not that comfortable with it. If you could get a solid first baseman like Olsen, then you get him. If, if you could bring back Anthony Rizzo, then get him. I do either of those things long before I make DJ the everyday first baseman. Long before that. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I agree. With, like, go for Olsen, but don't overpay. I mean, what would you be willing to give away? If you're not going to include anybody on the big league squad or anybody in the top five in the minors, it's going to be a tough trade to pull off because the A's are going to ask for something. Even if not as much as some people are thinking, they're going to ask for something. It's Matt freaking Olsen, who's one of the top first base talents in the game with two years of control left. (laughs) They're going to ask for something. So, yeah, or sign Rizzo, that's another option. And that's, that'd be totally fine. But at the bare minimum, for everyday first baseman throughout the season, you make it one of them. You don't put someone at first base like DJ who's not a true first baseman. Get a true first baseman. And Rizzo and Olsen are true first basemen. Just wanted to re-clarify that DJ part. Let's see who's next. At Fantasy Furnace says, Rizzo's a nice player, great in the clubhouse, but too costly for the production you need at a corner position. Olsen, he needs to be a Yankee, period. Luke Voigt is erratic, swings for the fences way too often, and has been injury-prone, all of which make him expendable. Conclusion, Olsen. Well, it depends if Rizzo's too costly. What's he going to ask for? We're yet to see that. If you could get him for a good price, then then that's good. You know you're going to get better defense from him again than you got after he came back from COVID. That's going to correct itself. It will. And you're going to get fine offensive production. Not on the level that Olsen's giving at this point in his career, but you're going to get good offensive production. And like you said, you're going to get good clubhouse leadership and all that good stuff. Someone who knows what it takes to win. And yeah, Luke Voigt, listen, especially the injury-prone part, I, I get you. I get it. But yeah, Olsen just brings too much to the table right now to turn away from. Uh, at Sod John 12 300 says, Olsen is a beast. The other guys aren't in his league, and that includes Rizzo, who I love. How often do we get a two-way monster? With a few shrewd moves, we can be great defensively and offensively. And yeah, I love Rizzo too, like I've said. And you'd be getting terrific defense and good offense. But with Olsen, you're probably getting great defense too, along with amazing offense. It's a step up. At this point, in both of their careers, it is. And at this point, that's just a statistical fact. At JedB366 says, I'm in on Olsen, but have no issues if Rizzo comes back. 
That's basically where I am, as you heard. And the Yankees are very much in on him, too. Don't get me wrong. There are a lot of reports flying around. The Yankees are in on Olsen. They are. There's no reports on how close things are or how much they've spoken or what's even been offered. But the Yankees are very interested, as they should be. At DJ Coy 601 says, Rizzo can re-sign for cheaper, and his bat was good. But Voight was clanging and banging when needed. Don't know about Olsen, but we need a winning team and players that want to play ball not be there for the limelight. Well, yeah, if Rizzo can re-sign for cheaper, that'd be ideal. Yeah, definitely. I don't really know what you mean by Voight there with clanging and banging, but <laughs> maybe that he did good in 2020 when they needed him, because that's true. Uh, but yeah, Olsen, listen, Olsen would be a huge addition. Rebecca at Peace Now for Life says, I say Matt Olsen. He's young and a great first baseman and would bring balance to the lineup. I do realize it'll take a lot to get him here and still think Rizzo is a great option too, but Olsen could be here longer term. Make it happen, Yankees. Yeah, that's, that's, you summed it up well, Rebecca. You summed it up really well. He's a young, great first baseman, and Rizzo's a great first baseman too, but there is the difference in age. Both would bring balance to the lineup, as Rizzo did to a certain degree last year too when he came over. And Rizzo's still a terrific option, yeah, but Olsen is... (laughs) I mean, what else can you say? He's just, he's where it's at. At Eric underscore Pellis says, Keep Rizzo. Proven tough player who proved he can handle New York. Excellent first baseman who will only cost money. Yeah, you only have to bring him back financially because he's a free agent now. As of when the World Series ended, so you'd only have to sign him as opposed to Olsen, who you have to trade for. Yeah. And Rizzo can handle big market teams. Look how terrific he was in Chicago. And look how much he enjoyed being a Yankee. So he can handle it. And he's a great presence to have around. So again, that's why I get no blowback from me with replies like this. People wanted to keep Rizzo around. Because I totally hear you. And I would not be mad at all if they did that. Again, depending on years and money. But I wouldn't be mad. At Yankee Ken says, Leaning towards Olsen. Although if they sign Rizzo and allocated resources towards a center fielder and shortstop, that's good too. Uh, Yeah, that would be ideal. (laughs) I'd love for them to improve at all those positions. I'd love for them to get a first baseman, whether it be Rizzo or Olsen. I'd love for them to get a big-time shortstop, whether it be Correa, Seager, or maybe a Semyon. Even Javi Baez and Trevor Story are out there, but I don't think those last two are likely at all. I think it'll probably be Seager, if anyone. Just reports have indicated as much, and I just think that's what the Yankees are going to want. And solving that many problems is ideal, and that's what I want the Yankees to do this offseason. All right, let's do a couple more. Let's see. Laura Eismont, at Laura underscore Eismont says, I'm going to say Rizzo. He proved to us last season that he's a great fit at first base. With that being said, I wouldn't mind if the Yankees do trade for Olsen. The only thing that worries me is what the A's will want in return. If the price is too high, it's not worth it. Yeah, that's part of the understanding too when it comes to Rizzo at the money or Olsen for the prospects. It depends what what the A's want for Olsen, and it depends what Rizzo's looking for financially. It all depends on that. And we hit on both of those scenarios. But it'll be interesting to see what happens. It really will be. At LAOJ underscore 1996, they say, anyone who says anyone other than Olsen as a first option is crazy. Rizzo would be the best alternate. 
No. Come on, stop it. I don't think they're crazy. Rizzo would still be a fine option. And, you know, clearly a lot of people still feel highly about Rizzo, as do I. Even though I, I do want Olsen as my main between the two. But, listen, they're not crazy for that. Not only is everybody entitled to their opinion, but to think Rizzo is a bad option. I mean, like you said, he's the best alternate. But to think that he's beyond far away from Olsen, I mean, that's, that's not fair to say. Rizzo still has so many positive attributes. So while it's definitely valid to want Olsen as your top priority, as I do agree with that myself, I don't think it's crazy to want otherwise. Especially since everybody who's saying otherwise seems to acknowledge that they definitely wouldn't have a problem with Olsen either. As a matter of fact, they'd love it. So. Alright, last one here on Twitter. My god, I read so many again. (laughs) Last one here on Twitter. Let's go with at NYYSportsFan96. And they say, Olsen. But if he's not traded, then re-sign Rizzo. Yeah, that's basically my thing. Just Olsen top priority, and then Rizzo would definitely be awesome too. And he would definitely be next up in that case. I'm definitely in agreement with that. But, my friends, that is all for Twitter for today. Couldn't get to nearly all of you as always, but <laughs> like always as well, I am so thankful to each and every one of you for the votes, replies. Thank you all so, so much. And just like the previous weeks with the other positions, really, really awesome discussion with this. A lot of us seem to be on the same page. Alright, let's get over to Instagram and read the exact same question because obviously the poll was the same over here. What should the Yankees do over at first base? And like I said before over on Twitter, I contemplated not including Luke Voigt for the reasons I said before. Well, over here I didn't, and I also didn't include others because, anyways, the Insta Story poll, as you know, only allows two choices anyway, and considering the main two that everybody's paying attention to are Rizzo and Olsen anyway, those are the two that I gave my Instagrammers a choice to choose from. And guess what? <laughs> I love when this happens, when the two social media platforms disagree with each other in the voting results, but between the two choices, the winning choice on Instagram was Anthony Rizzo earning 61% of the vote with Matt Olson earning 39% of the vote. So the Twitter majority wanted Olson primarily and the Instagram majority wanted Rizzo. Very interesting. Let's read some replies. First up, we have my good friend Tina at MountainGal456 and she says, I want Rizzo back. He's been good for the Yankees, a great baseball player, and great teammate. Yeah, all positive attributes of him. Like I said, you're not getting any disagreement with me on that. Next, we have Noah Adler 99 saying, Olsen, easily. Can't go wrong with Rizzo either, but love the fit with Olsen much better. And yeah, given current production, that's fair. The Dark Knight 025, my good friend James. And James says, I love Rizzo, but Olsen is better at this stage of his career. And that's true. Statistically, that is true. And that's what I've been saying. You can still love Anthony Rizzo, but still prefer Olsen for that factual reason. (laughs) So, it seems like everybody's being very reasonable about this. And that's basically many of you have said just about that. And like you heard my explanation of my reasoning for wanting Olsen more than Rizzo, yet still loving Rizzo, it seems like a lot of other people are feeling the same way. Alright, let's finish up with the usual final two. First up, my girlfriend Vic Salimo, and she says, I think Rizzo has just the kind of aura we need in the clubhouse and on the field. 
He's really proved that he's a great fit as a first baseman and a Yankee. He's older and more experienced, especially in the postseason. Yeah, Vic, he is. And those are valid reasons for wanting him back. And I even mentioned those. Being older can be a good thing. There's more experience, and he knows what it takes, and he knows how it feels to win. And that, along with his clubhouse presence, yeah. And even with the production you'll get on the field, because I'm tired of people pretending like the production on the field is bad. It's not. All that put together, it's still a great option. And I'm not going to shame anybody for feeling that way. I'm just not. Those are valid reasons. Lastly, my mom, Julia Gina Scudero, and she says, I've got to say, I was very impressed with Anthony Rizzo's performance at first base and in aspects on the Yankees team. I don't know much about Matt Olson, although his stats I know are impressive. I believe Rizzo has more experience. You know what they say, you know what you've got, you don't know what you'll get. I say keep Rizzo here. If the Yanks get Olson, we can put him on first and I'll be totally fine with that but I'll go primarily with Rizzo. Yeah, you're right. Listen, another mention of the experience, and you know what you've got, but you don't know what you'll get. Rizzo's already been here. He has, and that's valid. And a lot of these reasons are very meaningful to people, and they are to me too, as I've said. So, this is a good discussion. Really good. Two really good options. Just like the prior weeks with shortstop, with Seager, Correa, and Story, and... Even extending to a guy like Marcus Semyon. Great options. You wouldn't mind having any of them. Although we have our preferences. Just like even with catching, even though there's not a plethora of talent out there, you have your names out there. With this, you have your names, Olsen and Rizzo, both really good options, of course. Even in center field, like I mentioned before, which we'll also get to in a future episode along with other positions and aspects of the team. There, there are good names out there, and that's what makes for good discussion, like we've had since the offseason has started, and like we've had basically every offseason in the going-on three years of Yapping Yankees. And even when baseball's not around, I love doing this show, and I love talking about baseball, because baseball is always on my mind. And if you're listening to this, it's probably always on yours too, because you're listening to this show right now with baseball not even around. (laughs) So I thank you for listening, and I thank you for all the interaction again on the social media segment, like every week. Love you guys so much, but unfortunately, as we have to every week, all good things come to an end, and eventually, so does each and every episode. So with that being said, my friends, that is all for episode 120 today. Remember to follow me on all social medias, Facebook fan page, at Mike Scudero NY, Twitter, at Mike Scudero, and Instagram, Mike Scuds 97 Subscribe to Yapping Yankees on all four platforms it's available on. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Leave a like below on YouTube if you're listening there. Leave a review on all the others. And if you had the time, listen to the past Yapping Yankees episodes that you might have missed as well. Episodes 34 up to episode 120 today are available on YouTube. And all Yapping Yankees episodes, including today's, are available on SoundCloud, Apple, and Spotify. Once again, thank you 3,000 for listening to me yap today, my friends. I am Mike Scudero, and I will talk to you next Sunday, November 21st, when I come at you with episode 121 of Yapping Yankees. But until then, guys, hang in there, be patient, please stay safe, look out for your loved ones, and keep your eyes peeled 
for any moves that might be made this coming week for us to talk about next Sunday, along with the next aspect of the team that we'll be yapping about. Enjoy your week, my friends. Take care. Take care.